Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Omar Khan Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, um, Anthony Weidel, uh, Dan Colbert, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. A roster that I like to say should be competing for a 7th Lombardi Trophy and a roster that... You look, hey, they got a win on the weekend or on Tuesday, Monday Night Football Tuesday for me and here down here, down under in Australia, uh, four and seven now. They go up against the five and seven Atlanta Falcons um, this weekend. So that's going to be exciting. And and look, really, title, title of today's show, you know, really, we're talking about the promise and potential. What, what can we learn from this Steelers team? So today's show, we're going to cover off, obviously, what I, a little bit of what happened in the Colts game, look a little bit forward to Atlanta. Look at what the Steelers rookies did in part one. Part two, we're going to talk about the preview, the Atlanta rookies, um, because they've got quite a rookie contingent that have played this this year. So it's quite a few names to get through. Um, and then I wanted to make a bit of a uh, sort of share my thoughts a little bit around um, what to expect from some of the players um, that are sort of big names going through college. We'll talk a little bit about the Penn State tackle um, for Shano, who chose to, to, to stay back and, and a couple of thoughts I have around that. But look, let's get straight into it. Looking at this game against the Colts um, that, that happened on Monday night, Steelers walk away with the win, twenty four seventeen. We talk about a you know a drop touchdown reception from DJ. Uh, you know the score could have been a bit bit further out. I feel like the Steelers did let let them back into the game um, uh, parts during that second half. But things that stood out to me: number one, uh, sacks. Um, we made sure that, that Kenny Pickett only took three on the day. Now, there's a bit of blaming the Dan Moore one. There's some people saying, like, Kaboli, I think some of his takes are just getting ridiculous. But, you know, Pickett ran into the defender. Other people like Dan Moore can't block to save his life. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but the Steelers won out in terms of total yards. The Steelers won out um, in, I mean, they committed three penalties, but they actually, their penalties went for less yards. But they really won out around third down conversions and that like they converted seven from 14 versus Indies three from 12. And the the big thing that that meant is that they had time, they won time possession, 34, 22. So we continue. If you think about the stat I shared, I think it was week three or week four of the season where the Steelers had won, um, had not lost in 21 games out of 25 over the last three years that they played in where they held, where they dominated possession. That's continued this year. I think we've only lost one game um, where we won the possession outright. And I think, again, it was less than a minute difference. So 34 versus 25 minutes, that's like on average with the Steelers about a couple of drives, um, the two drives extra. And that's enough to win a game by seven points, you know, particularly if there's a, you know, if that one of those drives is a literally can cover off that one. Um, you know, that one score for the TD. Obviously, Steelers kicked a lot of field goals too. So, you know, in the in the first half, so the score could have been a little bit, you know, more bigger discrepancy, uh, I guess, from that perspective. But if we look ahead to this week and the Atlanta game, Steelers going in to play the Atlanta Falcons. They have won the last three in a row against Atlanta going back 12 years. Um, they have only lost one basically since the turn of the millennium. And the Steelers lead their all-time series 14-2-1. Interestingly, Atlanta are 4-2 at home. So this is where it will be interesting the Steelers playing away. Um, now, and also just speaking of away games, 
Jeffrey Benedict shared a really cool stat on Twitter um, earlier. Well, I saw it today in my time, but it's probably yesterday, but when he actually shared it. So my, my, my colleague, my B2C colleague, he talked about Kenny Pickett, when he starts and throws 30 or fewer passes, the Steelers are 3-0. More than 30 passes, the Steelers are 0-4. Ben Roethlisberger's first three seasons, he was 1-8 when throwing 31-plus times. 33-4 with a Super Bowl win when he threw 30 or fewer times. So basically, Steelers quarterback throws under 30. They win the game because of defense and hard running and accuracy. If the Steelers quarterbacks have to throw above 30, it spells trouble. But... I thought it was interesting as well because the Steelers are like, it's the first time in a couple of years or, or whatever. I saw that doing the rounds on Twitter that the bookies have them um, or the, you know, the odds makers have them at plus one, uh, sorry, minus one as favorites. But Atlanta are four and two at home um, at, at the, this season. Um, their away record for them is one and five. Um, the Steelers are two and four away. Uh, they're two and three at home. So the Steelers are their four wins. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to dissect that. But basically, they're as, almost as good, as good away as they are at home, which doesn't say a lot about the home performances this year. Um, but record versus the spread, the Steelers are 5, 5 and 6. Atlanta is 7, 4 and 1. Points scored per game, Steelers 28th in the league. Atlanta are 14th. There's a five-point differential there. Points allowed is pretty much Atlanta are 24, 25th with 24.4. Steelers are 23.7 at 24th. Take away the Steelers are plus two, Atlanta are minus one. So the Steelers have the win, you know, a lead better there in terms of turnovers. They have more pass yards per game. Um, they are 21st in rushing versus Atlanta's fourth in rushing. Um, defensive yards in terms of that allowed, they're very close. There's an eight yard difference average per game. Atlanta are 28th, the Steelers are 30th in the league. Um, defensive rush yards per game. The Steelers only allow 104, which is sixth best in the league. So we fixed a lot of that run defense that was a problem last year. Um, getting key guys back helps. Um, and Atlanta are 120, uh, allow 127, which is 21st in the league. So that could be good considering how the Steelers rushed this weekend without Najee Harris. They're going to have to probably rely. I think his injury is going to be a bit more long-term. Um, they're going to have to rely on Jalen Warren, Benny Snell, probably work the receivers back in, whether that's interesting without Claypool. Maybe they work Connor Haywood in um, as well. So that that's kind of an interesting perspective. But the, when you think about Atlanta, the Steelers having a better run defense is really important because of the fact they've got guys like um, Corridell Patterson, who we know plays all that running back, Caleb Huntley, who we'll talk about, um, who is, uh, you know, a, a rookie running back that's contributing. They also have a guy like Marcus Mariota who can run the football. And then they also have Tyler um, Allergier out of um, BYU, who was drafted in the fifth round. We'll talk about him as well. He's there, you know, mixing up at running back too. So they've definitely got a few guys, um, a bit more running back or rush yards by committee. Um, But we've also got Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett had a really good game in terms of his rush yards on the weekend. Not that we want him to have to scramble too much. So I think really this this is a good matchup. This is a chance for Steelers again to stack a win. I think the Scobro show might have talked about stacking wins um, based on the title they saw, I haven't had a chance to catch that. Um, but, you know, the Steelers get a good chance to stack wins before they they go on to play um, against the Ravens they've got next after this game. And so this allows them to get a few more things right. If they can finish this game at five and seven, 
um, make this make the Falcons five and uh, five and eight. Um, not that they have to worry about that from an NFC versus AFC perspective, but it would put pressure along amongst some of the other teams that are in the mix right now within two or three wins of the Steelers. And so I guess with that, it got me thinking around, obviously we, in the title of the show, we talk about promise and potential. The Steelers are showing some promise. Um, the Steelers have potential. I think we all can agree that they have the potential. Now it's about they've actually started to show some promise. And, and I think there's a difference between promise and potential. Potential, um, I know uh, senior editor Jeff Hartman hates that word. I kind of agree with him um, in many respects, unless they're in their first couple of years or on their rookie deal. I think you can still talk about potential there, particularly if they're in their first two years in the league. But promise is something more I like to think about is you can, you could win by 20 points, but if you beat the worst team in the league, did you show promise? Did you play well? I mean, we lost 35 to 13 against the Eagles. We didn't show promise. We lost 16 to 10 against Miami. We showed promise. We we had too many turnovers. We got smashed by Buffalo. We didn't show promise. We lost to New York, the New York Jets, who were doing quite well all the time. Kind of showed a bit of promise with Kenny Pickett coming through half the, halfway through the game. Didn't show promise against Cleveland. Did show promise against the Patriots. Did show promise when we walked away with that victory, luckily in terms of the long snapper um, having injuries in the Bengals in week one. Last week, we showed promise against the Bengals, losing by one touchdown. Although some people feel that was a gap. And, you know, I, I was starting to feel like that a few days after that game. Um, but you back that up with a win against the Colts. Then you, if you back that up with a win against the Falcons, where Steelers can really go on a run. And so I guess that's where I'm sort of saying it's interesting to see what how the Steelers are going to be able to live up to the potential and show some promise. And that's probably a good segue to go into the Steelers rookies before we take a break and, um, and, and finish up part one of this week's show. And so looking at the rookies, we only had uh, three rookies from the Steelers that really played in this game. Um, Connor Hayward did some stuff on special teams, had a tackle there, um, a solo tackle. Uh, he played 14% of the offensive snaps at 10 snaps, uh, didn't see any ball. I think he becomes a more important, a more important part of this, um, I guess, inter- short to intermediate offense going forward, particularly over the next couple of weeks when we don't have Najee Harris. Um, so Naj being out, I think that that's, that's a challenge there. The Steelers going to have to find ways to move the ball, um, without necessarily throwing to all the guys they usually throw to that'll be marked up, but take the pressure off Snell and Warren. Um, so I think it's still a bit of debate whether Warren is back and healthy. Obviously McFarlane comes in a mix and I think that's exciting. But when we think about Connor Haywood, I think you see, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of an increased role for him over the next couple of weeks. And Atlanta could be the right team to be really getting him involved against as well. Kenny Pickett. Well, Kenny Pickett, how you got the win? That's what counts. He threw, um, completed 20 from 28. So it's just under 75%, 71.43%, 174 yards, no TDs, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 87.5, was sacked three times for 23 yards, rushed six times for 32 yards. So no TDs um, delivered. Um, on the day, um, this can't be right. He definitely had it. He definitely had a TD. George Pickens had a TD. No, he didn't. No, 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 he didn't because of the rushing ones. That's right. It was the um two point conversion. Well, Kenny Pickett had a two point conversion, which 
You know, I've heard some people say it's not quite a TD, but it's up there. It's just good as a field goal. Obviously, he played all the snaps, wasn't injured. I think it's interesting this week. Um, he's not a rookie from Atlanta, so we won't talk about him deeply. But AJ Terrell has led up like they're really good cornerback, even though he's showing promise, has led in something like the most touchdowns in the league this year. So that could be really interesting when Pickett's throwing to people. I thought Pickett looked really good. I thought he made some killer passes. I love that um, scramble that got that two point conversion that, re- that, that, dime to um, a really nice ball there, extend the play to George Pickens. I thought Kenny looked good. There were some great throws to Freemuth. Um, yeah, there were some overthrows. I mean, people sit there and say, oh, all season, Kenny can't have an arm. You know, Kenny can't throw it very far. Kenny can't throw it deep. And then he overthrows someone. Kenny misses people. Kenny misses reads. Like, the guy's a rookie. Like, uh, this is the other thing is that I feel like the criticism of him is as if you're criticizing a Ben Roethlisberger that's been a franchise quarterback their whole career. Now, yes, he's playing against those guys. He's playing the NFL. It's it's you know no time um, to be soft or anything like it. There's no there's no excuses. But you gotta give Kenny a chance to improve. He didn't get re- enough reps. What as I said this on touchdown under with Marky D last week. He didn't get the reps that a lot of first round quarterbacks get in the off season, um, in, in as they work into and preseason as they work into the first full season in the league. The jump that this kid could make into year two is huge. I like the demeanor. I like the moxie. Um, he knows they're building. He's just got to stack wins. That's all it comes down to. They still like to say that it's just true. You just got to keep getting wins, build the confidence, um, and also. For Pete's sake, in the offseason, get rid of this idiot in Canada and get someone in that can actually help him and use his talents. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. We'll then go on to George Pickens. George Pickens, three receptions from six targets, 57 yards, average of 19. I, t- I talk about it every week. We talked about him after being drafted, and we talked about him in, ahead of the draft as a guy that really um, extends the field. His average yards per reception have always like high above 14 in college. I think one of these was like 17. He continues to do that even with a 50% catch um, percentage. He's doing better than what Claypool's doing over at the Chicago Bears. Yards per target average of 9.5. So it's almost over 10 anyway, um, which is an automatic first down. Um, basically, on as long as you're, you know, not like three and long. Um, but you know, the, the best part of a first down, at least, uh, you know, on the average yards per target, and he only caught fifty percent of his targets. He obviously got the two point um, conversion as well. He played seventy eight percent of the snaps. Love George Pickens. He's going to be fire for this team for a long time to come. Um, and so, yeah, really excited to see him continue to do really, really well. And so with that, we're going to take a break on Steelers War Room. Join me for part two. We're going to preview the Atlanta rookies. And then, as I said, we're going to finish with a couple of comments about um, what to expect for some of the draft guys or the draft class coming out this season or not coming out. And we're back on Steel's War Room. I'm your host this week with show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, the rest of the uh, Rooney the Second, and the rest of the Steel's front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. Roster that got a win on the weekend, four and seven. Here we go. Can they stack some wins? 
Right. Part two, looking at the Atlanta, Fal- Fal- Atlanta Falcons rookies. Gosh, I said that too quickly there. Um, it's kind of like a false start penalty there for me. Um, and obviously, we're going to make a few comments about some draft prospects. So, key thing to note, actually, Atlanta have 20 rookie, over 20 rookies on their roster. Five of those guys are on IR. Some of the guys haven't played. As you know, the rule, when we look at guys, we only look at guys that have been playing um, recently. So that's the way we're going to do it. Um, guys that are on IR are the rookie O-lineman, Tyler v- Vrabel, um, Derek Tangelo, Justin Schaefer, John Fitzpatrick, um, and Jared Bernhardt. So that's a, a DT, an offensive lineman, a tight end, and a wide receiver. Obviously, you've got Desmond Ritter. He hasn't played. Yet this season, um, so he could play at any time. You never know. Something tells me he's playing, ends up playing in this game against Atlanta. Um, so we won't talk about him. The next three guys, um, we're kind of, I'm going to bundle them together. You kind of regular listeners will know that that's something that I do often, um, with guys that are only playing special teams. So you have Ryan Newzel. I think I pronounced that right. New Zealand, yeah. Six foot three, 290 pounds offensive lineman, probably, probably the center position. Played at Appalachian State last year, um, 25 years old. So he would have been a super senior um, in college, probably, I think, with the, with the eligibility over COVID. Appalachian State last year in 2021 had like the most super seniors. We did a, we did a show um, covering that. Um, we did a war room back like in week two or week three of last year's season. And we talked about App State um, and, and how they had the most super seniors and that that was going to create a dearth of talent. And then this year we've seen them um, win a heap of you know, big games against opponents they haven't won for for a long, long time or if ever. Anyway, basically Ryan's played. Uh, Ryan, who wears jersey number 64 for the, for the Falcons, he's played in four games this season. All special team snaps, no more than 20% of those snaps in those games. Then you've got Liam McCulloch. Um, now, that's how I pronounce this single last name in Australia when we've used it. Um, but or McCulloch, uh, that's another way you could say it. Um, but I think pretty sure it would be McCulloch. Anyway, he's out of Ohio State. Again, 25, super senior, 6'2", 237-pound long snapper. Um, so obviously he's their, he's their guy there from long snapper perspective. He's not played any more than 41% of the special team snaps on the season so far. Um, and he's had two tackles in weeks eight and nine, one against Carolina, one against, um, the LA Chargers. The other only special teams player at the moment is for them is for the Falcons is Nathan Landman, who's a linebacker, six foot three, 235 pounds out of Colorado. He went undrafted. Um, he was actually born in Zimbabwe, fun fact. Um, he's 24 years old. He wears jersey number 55, Devin Bush's number. He has played on defense um, in a couple of games, um, played no more than 13% of the defensive snaps, only has two um, has one tackle in season so far, one quarterback hit, but it's predominantly played on special teams where he's played between a third and 50% of the snaps um, going into week seven. He hasn't played since that game against Cincy that Atlanta lost 17-35 for all those fans out there questioning um, that performance we had against Cincy. We, we should kind of be favorites for this game. All right, so that's the guys that predominantly contributing on special teams. I then wanted to talk about uh, D'Angelo Malone, defensive end, six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds. They play a four three, I think. But Artie Smith was considering bringing to a three four. Um, 
But this is a guy drafted in the third round, 82nd overall out of Western Kentucky. Uh, he's someone that came on my draft radar quite late in the piece. Um, definitely can did a, had some college production. Definitely is good rushing the passer. Um, he so far in the season has one quarterback hit. He has two tackles for a loss um, and 13, oh, 18 combined tackles, I should say, one sack. Um, yeah, one quarterback hit. Um, so definitely starting to contribute for them. Where's jersey number 51? Plays on special team snaps as well. He's played 53% of all special team snaps um, in terms of the total snaps that he could have played in games um, this season. He's played in 10 games, started none. Um, but again, that's about formation and whether you whether you um, receive the ball to kick off the game. He's only missed two tackles, but that does equate to 10% um, of the tackles so far on the season. And he also has two quarterback pressures. Um, and interestingly, he's allowed no completions on the one target throwing his way. Next play on the list, we're going to go to a guy called uh, Tommy Horn. Now, or Timmy Horn, sorry. Um, he's a defensive tackle, 323 pounds, 644 out of Kansas State. Also played at Charlotte. Um, he has played on special teams and defensive snaps as well. He has one quarterback hit, 17 tackles, no sacks, one pass defense, um, no missed tackles for him. And he's played 14% of the special team snaps in terms of the snaps available in the games he's played. He wears jersey number 93 for the Falcons. Then we've got Caleb Huntley, who I actually have on Fantasy, although I might have got rid of him this week. I can't remember where he was one of the guys I cut. Um, but he drafted out of, oh, sorry, undrafted out of Ball State, running back 5'10, 229 pounds. So definitely a bit more of that cannonball style running back. Um, he's going to play no special team snaps, has played offensive snaps. Uh, only, but has um, 347 yards on the season so far from 71 rushes. Uh, so that's an average of per attempt of 4.9. He averages 34.7 yards per game. He's scored one TD, uh, gained 18 first downs, two receptions off two targets for three yards. So he's caught all, all the targets thrown his way. Um, he's had 73 touches and an average of 4.8. 350 yards um, as well. So, yeah, one touchdown combined on the season, and he's only fumbled at once. Um, so when we talk about this, the not necessarily running back by committee for the Falcons, but rush yards by committee um, for the Falcons, he's definitely um, someone that's contributing for them. Well, then keeping on the running backs, we'll go to uh, Tyler uh, Allegier out of... Uh, BYU drafted in the fifth round, 151st overall by Atlanta, five foot eleven, two hundred twenty pounds. He ran a four six forty yard time um, at the combine. He so far on the season um, has five hundred fifty two yards, hundred off one hundred twenty one attempts. That's an average um, per attempt. I hate when um, pro football reference break this out. Interestingly, when they do the advanced versus the normal. But anyway, it's 4.6, 25 first downs. He's gained on the season so far for Atlanta. One TD. Um, he's averaging 50 yards per game. So they've got two running backs that are rookies that are averaging together a, a combined almost 85 yards a game. He's caught also 100% of the balls thrown his way of 10 receptions off 10 targets for 87 yards. One TD, five first downs. So he has had 131 touches at the line of scrimmage at an average of 4.9. Remember I said Caleb Huntley is averaging 4.8 um, and has two 
combined rushing or receiving touchdowns. So definitely the running backs, and if you think about the system that they have with Cordell Patterson as well, um, they that you know the Atlanta are finding ways to use their running backs all over the, the field from an offensive standpoint. Um, kind of sounds like a varied offense, like the Matt Hanna offense should be, but it's not. Um, so interesting there with um, Tyler Allegier. The next guy I wanted to talk about was DeAndre Orford, defensive back, five foot eleven, one hundred and seventy five pounds, wears jersey number thirty seven. Um, I don't, we don't have a forty yard time for him, um, but he basically has half a sack on the season, eighteen tackles, one tackle for a loss, one quarterback hit, one safety. Um, so that's equal NFL leading, <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, there's not been many safeties on the season so far. Uh, he's played a little bit on special teams, but not much. He's only played 5% of special team snaps that that happened in games he played in. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's technically scored two points as well. So definitely contributing, um, but he's someone you're more going to find in certain packages uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. The next guy on our list is a guy named Jalen Dalton. Jalen Dalton is a defensive tackle, six foot five, two hundred eighty-eight pounds, um, out of North Carolina. He uh, played against Chicago in the win, twenty-seven twenty-four. Um, he has played in four games this season so far. He's only played twenty-seven percent of the defensive snaps in the games he's played, and twenty-four percent of the special team snaps. Whereas jersey number seventy-nine. Seven tackles on the season, no sacks, no tackles for loss, no quarterback hits, no safeties, no pressures. Um, So really just making those tackles in the trenches for the Falcons. Then we have Troy Anderson, um, linebacker, 6'4", 235 pounds, a name probably familiar to some of the more still fans out there and listeners that are more focused on the draft. Draft in the second round, 58th overall, so after George Pickens um, in the 2022 NFL draft out of Montana State. Um, really quite a rangy, long, fast running back with a 4 4 40 yard time. That's what you might remember from the combine. Um, he's played 30% of the defensive snaps on the season games he's played in and 70% of the special team snaps. So he's learning to contribute that way, like a lot of linebackers do. Um, in terms of uh, his defensive stats on the season so far. He has 44 combined tackles, 25 solo, 19 assisted tackles, three tackles for loss, one quarterback hit, no sacks, one pass defense. He's allowed 15 completions of 17 targets. That's allowing an 88.2% catch rate for 124 yards. He's allowed one TD, allowing a quarterback rating of 116.7. He's only missed two tackles at 4.3%. So that's pretty good. He's been on four blitz plays and has one quarterback knockdown. So Troy Anderson, someone that's learned to feel the game, like any rookie linebacker, um, particularly if you're not taken in the first, you know, 10 to 15 picks, you're, you're going to learn the game as you go. You got to get adjust to the speed. You got to learn to trust your instincts. Um, he's having a pretty decent season for them. Uh, yes, we got really, we had a really good year out of Devin Bush, but he was a top 10 pick. Um, Troy Anderson continues to deliver for them. And he's someone, I mean, Steelers won't face the Falcons for a long time to come now, um, for at least another four years. So, although it depends, but I'm, I'm pretty sure even that's the case with the 17th game. Um, and so, you know, we won't have to worry about Troy Anderson, but he's someone that is going to, you know, 
certainly contribute for Atlanta in the years to come. Then you have Arnold Ebikede, um, the defensive end, again, highly touted in the draft, drafted in the second round, 38th overall um, out of um, Penn State, 256 pounds, edge rusher. Uh, he's a guy that's played in uh, played a season low of 15% in week 12 of the defensive snaps, but played a season high of 82%. Um, for him against San Francisco, where that that the, the Atlanta won um, 28-14. Um, so, yeah, like a guy that's definitely contributing. He has 28 tackles on the season so far, two and a half sacks, two pass defenses, one forced fumble, um, 11 quarterback hits, three tackles for a loss. So he's a guy the Steelers are going to have to watch out for. Um, he has allowed five out of seven completions this season for 46 yards and a quarterback rating of 89. Missed no tackles, interestingly. He's had 11 pressures, um, seven quarterback knockdowns, um, one hurry, and I mentioned the two and a half sacks. So he's having a decent rookie year. Um, he'll continue to do that. He'll be someone the Steelers have to be really careful about. He's someone that, you know, uh, when Dan Moore's blocking, depending on where they line, ever KD up, he's going to have to be prepared to, to take that, um, you know, and to meet that challenge. But I, I think... I hope he doesn't have a big game, but I could see Ebikete making life hard for the Steelers' um, offensive line, and he wears jersey number 47. And then we finally come to their first-round, eighth-overall pick in the NFL draft, wide receiver, 6'5", 210 pounds, Drake London. Um, it's been a mammoth effort to get through this amount of rookies. It's about like triple what we usually have to cover for a team um, each week. Anyway, he is uh, 21 years old, 129 days. Um, he's played 12 games of the season so far. Wears jersey number five, uh, receiving yards. He is yet to break the 100 mark. His season high is 86, which happened in week two against the LA Rams, where he had eight receptions from 12 targets um, for 66.7%. So far on the season, he has 41 receptions, 438 yards, so a little bit less than George Pickens, um, of 69 targets, yards per reception of 10.7, four TDs, catch percentage of 59.4%, so he's a little bit below the 60% that we like to say is a solid benchmark, 26 first downs, yards per target 6.3, no rushing um, yards um, yet on the season. You never know what they're going to mix him up with. Um, so definitely contributing for them. Whether he can hit 1,000 yards this season, hard to say. But he is playing with a quarterback in Mariota that's just only ticked over the 2,000 yards mark. Um, so when you think about that, you know it's not necessarily a offense where Drake London is going to get a heap of the football. And then the other thing about it too is he's obviously playing on a team that has guys like Kyle Pitts. Um, so, you know, that means that he's having to compete in terms of, you know, getting receptions. Um, but, you know, Drake London has this, he's the second highest um, receiving leader on their team ahead of Kyle Pitts, um, but behind Zacchaeus, um, who's got four, six, five yards as well. So, you know, definitely becoming that target for them will be a key target for them in the years to come. Um, so, you know, I, I guess that's, that's where it's exciting, uh, for the Falcons fans. It's, he's a big body. He's six foot five. The Steelers defense is going to have to mark up on him. Um, but that's where a guy like Terrell Edmonds and having DeMonte Kazi, um, will be helpful as well. So 
To wrap up this week's show, I wanted to talk about, because it sort of came as sort of the top news in the last 24, 48 hours out of the college world, that Olu Fashanu was returning to Penn State. And I thought it was interesting. I read, I got a, I got a newsletter from the Draft Scout, and they talked about him wanting to return because maybe he wants his degree, maybe he wants to develop. He's a young guy as well. So they sort of said, well, you know, he's only 19, he's a redshirt sophomore. Maybe, you know, he wants to get his body ready before he's got to play against guys like Miles Garrett and, you know, um, you know, TJ Watt and, you know, some of these bigger offense, you know, defensive ends and defensive rushes. Um, and and you can understand that. Um, he talked about in the ESPN article about it, he talked about wanting to go back with his team and building stuff. I, I think this is a good thing. Um, I know that a lot of people you know, about thinking where he would be taken. Some people had him as the top offensive lineman in the draft. People were sort of saying, you know, he um, could be an option for the Steelers if they're picking right. I think right now they're they're picking number 12, um, you know, uh, given the four and seven record or somewhere thereabouts. And they were saying that, you know, he's a guy that could be there uh, depending on the, the other prospects and who comes out and who flashes in the draft process. And so that's why it is news. He also is from Penn State. So obviously one of the, the the top colleges in the state of Pennsylvania. So that's the other reason why he's relevant. But I also wanted, to me, it raised a key thing is that like people go back for their own reasons. Um, there are several players like Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., Caleb Williams that will all be there. Um, you know, so that that's kind of interesting from that perspective. Um, but the other thing is that we, you're going to see players return that you didn't think were going to return. And and so like last year in the lead up to the draft, a guy like who's considered the the number one person returning, Nolan Smith, outside linebacker or, or um, linebacker for Georgia. He returned. Jack Campbell returned. Spencer Rattler returned. Um, there's a list of top 20 according to CBS NCAA football. They talk about Muhammad Ibrahim, running back Minnesota, Will McDonald, defensive end Iowa State, Jordan Battle, the safety out of Alabama. They thought he would go in the draft. Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina. Um, he went back for a senior season. Henry To'o, linebacker Alabama. People are saying, is he an option for the Steelers in this year's draft, depending if he particularly falls to the second round, um, if Devin Bush doesn't perform this season. Owen Papo. Um, or Papoe out of Auburn, Alina Smith out of Texas A&M, the wide receiver, Sam Hartman, Wake Forest. We talked about him on this show before. Um, Nick Broker, offensive lineman, Ole Miss, Riley Moss, defensive back, Iowa, Bumper Poole, Brenton Cox out of Florida, Phil Yerkovich out of Boston College, who's fallen well by the wayside, Christopher Smith, defensive back, Georgia, J.A. Brown, defensive back, Penn State, Brennan Armstrong, quarterback, Virginia, and Devin Leary, quarterback, NC State. Now, these were guys that returned in 2022. Another guy who had to return because of an injury late in the process, which can happen. Um, and that is uh, Jackson Kirkland, He um, who's a offensive tackle, 6'7", 310 pounds, senior for the Washington Huskies. Um, big player, big guy was on my my radar for the Steelers in the draft last year. He's a guy that's also coming back out. Zion Nelson um, is another guy that people thought might be able to go into the draft. He didn't. He returned as well. So I would just say people are going to jump on a hype train. We're going to jump on draft picks. You're going to start doing mock drafts. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't done one. I did one a, bit a, a few weeks back. haven't done one since um, just to sort of see where people were ranking. I'm starting to get into my draft evaluations now that we're winding down the college season. But 
you've always got to be prepared that there's guys that don't have to come out that might not come out. Um, think about two years ago, people thought Kenny Pickett might come out and people might've been talking about Kenny Pickett. Um, and he didn't. Guy like Bijan Robinson, who plays for the the team I support in college football, Texas Longhorns, people are saying, should he should he even stay back um, to try and do more with this Texas team? Particularly running backs have shorter shelf lives in the NFL. Uh, he's He had like a $6 million NIL deal with Lamborghini this year. So if he could get another $6 million, depending on where he's drafted as a running back, even though he's probably a top 10, 15 prospect in the draft, if he goes in the late 30s, you know, he may as well make six to eight million in college and have fun with his mates and maybe do something historic that Texas haven't done um, in years. So, you know, these are some of the things you think about. But I said, as I say, just be careful before people pin. I mean, Dave Scover likes to say until they're drafted as a stealer, you know, he doesn't see them as a stealer, doesn't fall in love with prospects. I am much more, I love the draft process. I love seeing players and where they go different teams because as you see, there are players we talked about in the lead up to this year's NFL draft that are now playing with the Atlanta Falcons. Definitely Ty, um, Tyler Allegier we talked about. Talked about um, Troy Anderson. We talked about Abikade late in the piece. Didn't talk about Drake London because I didn't think he'd be on the board when the Steelers were picking. Um, talked about Desmond Ritter. Definitely people, Steel fans, were definitely he was a key focus. But you don't know who's going to go back. So, you know, if they're not in their last couple of years of college, be prepared that some of the young guys might not come out. Um, particularly depending on who else is coming out within their draft class. Um, but with that, that's going to wrap up this week's Steelers War Room. Really excited for the Atlanta game. Steelers are four and seven. They can build, as I was talking about, the Shannon White on touchdown under uh, a few weeks back. The Steelers can get to eight and eight going into the final game against the Browns. You never know what they can do. Um, so really, it's win every game we can. Obviously, we want that anyway, but win every game. Uh, that you can that's against some of these opponents. Like, obviously, we got that against the Colts. Let's get it against Atlanta. Let's get it against Carolina. Let's get it against the Raiders. And then we just need to win out in the division. We went out in the division. Uh, or, you know, we should be fine. Um, but with that, as always, go Steelers. Go Steelers.